0: Hello, this is Daniel Guzman and welcome to another edition of Commitment to Truth, the outreach ministry of Commitment Community Church, a place for all nations. To learn more about Commitment, please visit our website at www.commitmentchurch.org. Like us on Facebook and even download our mobile app by typing in Commitment Community Church. Now let's enjoy today's message from our pastor, Cedric Brown.
1: Again, we're continuing in a series I've entitled for you, The Gift, Unwrapping Jesus Christ during this Christmas season. And uh, can you imagine with me today, living so, with someone all your life and investing your entire life into that person's uh, life and your life is all consumed in their life. And then um, when you needed that person the most, um, that person rejects you and, and leaves you in a lurch. Can you imagine again? Everything that you are, all that you thought, all that you've dreamt to be was all consumed in the life of someone else. And at that place, in that time that you needed that person the most, uh, they rejected you. Uh, Believe it or not, this is exactly what happened to Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ came. He lived a perfect life, did everything right. And at the moment he needed his friends the most, guess what? They left him. And, and, and here, here's the theological truth. At the time that he needed God the most, God turned his back on him. So that God would never, ever turn his back on you and me. That's the greatest gift that we can ever have during this holiday season. So as we continue to unwrap this, this message of, of the gift, remember last uh, two weeks ago, we talked about Jesus Christ was betrayed and abandoned so that you and I would never, ever be able to be betrayed and abandoned. That also Jesus Christ is in bondage and he was abused so that we will never have to live at a place of bondage and abuse uh, no longer. And that today, let's, let's continue with Jesus Christ being rejected by man and also God so that you and I will never, ever have to be rejected by man or God again. Now, I'm sure today when you heard me say that Jesus Christ was rejected by God, uh, you probably said, what in the world are you talking about? We're going to get there. All right. So let's look at Mark chapter 15, verses 22 through 34. And we're going to get into our, our foundation as it relates to, again, Christ being rejected by man and also by God. Mark chapter 15, beginning of verse 22, it says, then they brought him to the place called Golgotha, which is translated. Uh, place of Skull. They tried to give him wine mixed with myrrh, but he did not take it. Now, pause in here for a minute. That this this mixture was called gall, and this gall was a sedative, which was pretty much for painkiller. But at the end of the day, Jesus twice in this entire um, context of Scripture and and in route to the cross, he rejected this the sedative, so because he wanted to feel. Every single part of the pain um, uh, for us. Continuing in verse 24, it says, And they crucified him and divided up his garments among themselves, casting lots for them to decide what each man should take. It was the third hour when they crucified him. The third hour in in, in these particular definition of, of hours is, is at 9 a.m. All right. And it said the inscription on of the charge against him read the king of the jews verse 27 they crucified two robbers with him one on one on his right and one on his left and the scripture was fulfilled which says and he was numbered with the transgressors verse 29 those passing by were hurling abuse at him wagging their heads and saying ha you who are going to destroy the temple and rebuild it in 3 days save yourself and come down from the cross. Verse 31, in the same way the chief priests also along with the scribes were mocking him among themselves and saying, he saved others, he cannot save himself. Verse 32, let this Christ, the king of Israel, now come down from the cross so that we may see and believe. Now, this is the one of the most astonishing parts of verse uh, these verses in verse 32 it says Those who were crucified with him were also insulting him. Think think about that. The two thieves that were on the left or the right, they're on their way to death, and they're in the midst of dying, hurling insults at Jesus Christ. So he's literally being rejected by the very people he's being crucified next to. This is ridiculous. But this is the reality. So here you find also in verse uh, 33, it says, when the sixth hour, which is the 3 p.m., came, darkness fell over the whole land until the ninth hour, which was six hours later from 9 a.m. So six hours later, you have this summary. He was rejected by men in this way. Verses 27 to 28, uh, he was numbered with transgressors. So here's a man, okay, Jesus Christ, who did nothing absolutely wrong, but was numbered with everybody else that did wrong. Two thieves but then you also find in verses 27 and 28 that he was insulted and by even by passerbyers they were insulting him and hurling and wagging their heads at him. And then he was left by his friends, friends verse 33. Think about this. So, we know that Judas betrayed him. We know that Peter, right? He denied him three times, but then you also have 10 other or minus 1 who John who is the only one at the foot of the cross. Nine others, so 11 of his friends that he invested 11, uh, Excuse me, three years of his life in these 11 men, and at the end of the day, they're nowhere to be found. Think about that. Think about you pouring your life in the life of the someone for, you know, morning, noon, and night, eating with them, sleeping with them, pouring your heart, pouring vision, pouring direction into their lives, and at the end of the day, after three years, nowhere to be found. This is exactly what happened to Jesus. So he was, he was clearly rejected by man. But then look at verse number 34. And then the ninth hour, Jesus Christ cried out with a loud voice, "Eloi, Eloi, lama Sebakkinah, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me?" It's almost like he's saying, "You too?" You too, here's all of my friends for three years. I poured my life into them. And now you too, God, at this moment that I needed you the most, you too are now going to turn your back up on me. It is said by theologians at this moment, it was required of God to disconnect himself from Jesus. You know why? So that you and I would never be disconnected. At that moment in history, he, he bore the sins on the back, past, present, or future, and of everyone in this room, past, present, and future, he bore the sins of the world on himself, and God cannot be associated with sin at all. At all. He's perfect. He's holy. So at that moment, God had to separate himself from Jesus so that you and I would never, ever, ever have to be separated again. Uh, the scripture goes on to say, of course, that Jesus Christ uh, had to ascend to the Father. The, uh, when, when the disciples eventually came to senses, he appeared to them, he said, don't touch me. I first have to do what? First ascend to the Father. So there's a process of him going down to Hades to if you would, carry the sins of the world, bury them if you would, and then also to release those who died before him and believed. So that you and I will never, ever have to experience again the separation again. Betrayed by, rejected by man, rejected by God himself. So that we will never, ever have to be rejected at all again. Let's look now at 1 Peter chapter 2. First Peter chapter 2. Because Jesus Christ was rejected by man, rejected by God. Here's our precious gift found in 1 Peter chapter 2. beginning with verse number four. It says, And coming to him as to a living stone, which was rejected by who? Men, right? But is choice and precious in the sight of God. So understand the biblical principle. The biblical biblical principle is this, is that God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. God cannot be associated with sin, but God, by his grace, always finds a way to deal with sin. So in the midst of rejecting Christ, Christ still remained precious in the sight of who? God. But God could not alter his truth. You follow me? There was a need for a shedding of blood. There was a need for a propitiation, a substitute for sin. You follow me? So Jesus Christ was the only option. He was the perfect sacrifice. The scripture says in Hebrews that he was not only the great high priest, but he was also the lamb that was, with, that, it was with, that was without spot or blemish that entered into the holies of holies, it says, once and for all. Once and for all. So there's now no need for anyone to go see a priest. There's no need for anyone to uh, 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 you know, make sacrifice, animal sacrifices or anything like that because the lamb, the perfect lamb, Jesus Christ, who had no sin, had no... Uh, wrong, did nothing wrong, ultimately died on the cross for our sins so that we may ultimately have life. So again, the biblical principle is God had to disassociate himself from sin because he cannot associate with sin. Jesus Christ took on the sin to deal with the sin issue once and for all. Therefore, there was this need to reject so that we would never be rejected. So that being said, listen to what it goes on to say in verse number five. You also, as living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house for a holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifice acceptable to God through whom? Jesus Christ. No other option to do this, to accomplish this, but through who? Jesus Christ, who paved the way. Now, let's pause here for our first gift. Our first gift is this. Because of Jesus Christ being rejected by man and rejected by God, we are now instantaneously, if you put your faith and trust in Christ, rebuilt. we rebuilt. Uh, remember, Jesus said this, that he, he must go to, and he will leave you a what? A comforter to indwell you. The spirit of God that cries out in the hearts of everyone who believe that says what? Abba, Father. So at the end of the day, there's this rebuilding process that's going on. The scripture says this as well. Though we decay on the outside, I'm being renewed, what? On the inside, there's a decaying on the outside at the moment that it is medically proven. At the moment that you are born, you're starting to die. So at the end of the day, on the outside, I'm decaying. But on the inside, there's this renewal and there's this rebuilding process that is occurring. The word built means this in in verse number five. It means this to build upon. So first of all, think about this. The Jesus Christ is a chief cornerstone. At the end of the day, there is no other foundation to build upon than who? Jesus Christ. So can you imagine trying to build a house and you have no foundation? So because Jesus Christ was rejected by man, rejected by God, he now lays this foundation so that we can now continue the building process. We can build upon what he has laid before us. The word build continues to be defined as this, to erect a superstructure. Again, this superstructure is a supernatural uh, a house, if you would, that is made without hands, that he is working out and he's working in us to will and to do his perfect plan. You follow me? So there's something internally that is going on that you cannot see with a natural eye. That's why before you came to know Christ, uh, there's certain things that you used to do that you didn't have any instinct or any inclination that it was wrong. Once you come to know Christ, there are people who don't, you, don't have, you do not have to sit in a message to find out what's wrong and what's right anymore. Because something on the inside, the superstructure, if you would, on the inside begins to give you an inclination that what you used to do is no longer permissible before God. And that's just the way it happens. There's this superstructure that he begins to build. And then listen, the last part of this definition of the word built means to edify. So here we get, we have this. Jesus Christ land and foundation, we're building upon him. And as we are being built, there's a super, 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 super structure that he is now building on the inside of us and the awesome privileges in the building process. He will continue to do what? Edify us, encourage us, build us up, edify us, encourage us. Because why? Like any construction process, you're going to have permits, right? You're going to have you're going to have obstacles. You're going to have hindrances and barriers that that impede the building process. So in the building process, we know that there will always be the place that Jesus will still do what? Edify us. Right? There's times we're going to slip. There's times we're going to fall. There's times that we're going to find ourselves doing things we shouldn't do. But in the midst of that, in the midst of the superstructure building, he will always do what? Edify us. He will edify us. We're being built up. He's our gift wise because he's building this up. And and the only way this was possible was through Jesus Christ being rejected by God and rejected by man. Let's look at our, our second point. Let's skip down to verse nine. It says this, but you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for God's own possession. Now, if we pause there, this is where most believers stop that. You know what? I'm a chosen race. I'm a royal priesthood. I'm a holy nation. We walk around snooty. You know, where our nose is, you know, high, our chin high, our chest sticking out. And which is good for some of us who, who probably have need that that bit of encouragement. Right. But but why would he make us think about this? Why would he make us a chosen race? Why would he make us a royal priesthood? Why would he say that we are now a holy nation? Why would he say that now that we are a people for God's own possession? Will it be merely just to say, OK, I have mine? But that's unfortunately where many of us stop, right? Many of us stop there with, "Okay, I, I'm I'm royalty now. I'm a king's kid, right? I'm a holy nation, and I'm set apart. Set apart for what? Set apart for what? That's the big question. So you have this again. Jesus Christ was rejected by man, rejected by God, so that we can be rebuilt. Rebuilt for what? Rebuilt for what? Why is my marriage healthy now? Why am I walking in purity as a single man or woman? Why is my business succeeding? Why now my finances are in order? For what? For what? Again, most people who are following Jesus Christ ends with that, ends with their household. Well, I'm good now. Life is better for me now. Right? Let's be honest before God. Right. Most of us would say, hey, you know what? I got mine. My. my life is different now. My life has been transformed. I'm healed emotionally. I'm not going through the emotional roller coaster anymore. You know, physically, God has healed me. Whatever God has bestowed upon you as a cho- chosen uh, race, as a royal priesthood, as a people set apart for God, whatever he has done for you in your life, why has he done it for you? Why? The answer is here, latter part of verse nine, it says, so that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who has called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. The other precious gift he gives us is this, is the awesome privilege to proclaim God's excellencies. Do you realize before Jesus Christ, that was only for select people? Called prophets. That was only for select people. God handpicked the people and said, Now you will be my oracle. You will be my mouthpiece. But now, because of the finished work of Jesus Christ, because of what Jesus Christ endured for you and I, guess what? We all have the privilege to be his mouthpiece. We all have the privilege to proclaim the excellencies of God. Let's look at this a little further. The word proclaim means this, to declare abroad. That's pretty simple, right? But it means to publish. Can you imagine? Let's stop here. Can you imagine? Anybody on Facebook? Come on, be honest. I'm on Facebook, all right? All right, so let's just say those people who are on Facebook. Anybody on Twitter? Okay. Uh, What's the other ones? Uh, Instagram. Instagram, right? Okay, think about this. Can you imagine everyone in this room today who's on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, says this, that my role right now will begin to publish the excellencies of God? Can you imagine what will happen? Can you imagine if you said, well, you know, for all the words that I publish about myself, can you imagine if all the words I publish about my day, about my children, about my marriage, about, right, on and on and on. Can, if I can start doing what? Publishing about the excellencies of God. Can you imagine what will happen to our world? Can you just Imagine. If you just took one day out of the week and said, you know, this is going to be my my day to publish about the excellencies of God, Or, or maybe you're not on Facebook. Most people right now have an email account. Can you imagine this just, God gives you this wonderful idea to send out something via email to publish about the excellencies of God? Let's take it a little further. Maybe you've, you've had the, the idea of writing your own book, your own blog. Can you imagine if everybody reacted to God and, resp- and responded to the spirit of God's leading and published something about the excellencies of God? The word proclaim also means this, to make known by praising or proclaiming and to celebrate. You know, at the end of the day, the best way to do this is in the marketplace. In other words, wherever you work, can you imagine publishing, proclaiming, and celebrating the excellencies of God in this way? Am I telling you to stand on your chair in your cubicle or stand in your chair in your office and wave your Bible and and, and blast your Christian music and No, I'm not telling you to do that. But you know what I will say to you right now? One of the best ways to publish the excellencies of God and to proclaim the excellencies of God is to walk into your job with a smile. Just walk in there smiling. Just walk on your job. And when everybody's complaining about the boss, you don't complain. You don't have to publish anything. You don't have to use Twitter. You don't have to use Facebook. You don't have to use any of that. You are living epistles, the Bible says. So all you need to do, we need to do, is just walk every single day into the place that we have been given the privilege to have a job to afford us wonderful things in this world. Just walk in there just with a good attitude. Maybe going in there and just letting your yes be yes and your no be no. Maybe walking on time. Maybe be the one who treats customers fairly. Maybe be the one who does excellent work without having to get paid more for it. Maybe just go do your job. It's simple, church. So simple. But so many of us don't do the simple thing. Just being a person who is just saying, you know what? Others may, but I won't. Yeah, everybody's walking around, chip on the shoulder, complaining about we're not off this day, that day. We don't get this. We don't get that. But walk in and say, hey, I'm thankful for whatever I have. Do you realize that proclaims the excellencies of God? Then people will begin to ask you, now, what's wrong with you? Why are you so happy all the time? What's different about you? Well, why aren't you complaining? Oh, thank you for asking. (laughs) Then the scripture says to you and I, be ready then to give an account for the hope that lives within you. And the hope is who? Jesus Christ. Right. So the word excellencies means this. So it means the superiority of God revealed in the work of salvation. So think about this. The superiority of God revealed in the work of salvation. The only way God will appear superior, big G over little G's, is that salvation has to become evident in our lives. Only way possible for big G begin to override little g's in our lives is that, they, that those of us who have been saved and transformed by big G, God, the one and true and only God, the only way is it possible is that you and I must go into the world and live like it. Live like it. Excellence also means God's perfection and his goodness of action. Do you realize how many people are so bitter about God? If God is so good, why? We're the answer to the why. We're the answer to the why. When Christ was rejected, He empowers us through his Holy Spirit. That infrastructure, that that new superstructure, he empowers us to be men and women who are able to do what? Proclaim the excellencies of an excellent God. Amen? Then we go to verse 10. It says this. For you once were not a people. Think about that. You were not even a people. It says, but now you are the people of who? God, you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. So Jesus Christ was rejected by man, rejected by God so we can be rebuilt. We now have this superstructure, if you will, through the power of the Holy Spirit to begin to proclaim the excellencies of an excellent God. Right. And then from that, the, the double blessing that God gives us is now we can become a people who are rebuilt. Uh, We become people who are a person who is rebuilt to become the people of God. We are now the people of God. We're not just this arbitrary people. We're the people of God with one father, one family, one purpose, one vision of of existing here on this earth. The word now, think about this. The word now means this, at this present time. So at, at this present time, you are a people are of God. At this present time, you are the people of God. So no matter how you walked into this door, if you have put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ and his finished work, you are the people of God, no matter what you think about yourself. No matter what you did, no matter who you are, no matter what your background is, no matter what you've accomplished, what you have not accomplished, you are now the people of God. You are now the people of God, and, and it's important to embrace that. Why is this so important? Why is this even possible? It says, because now you have also re- received mercy. The word mercy means this, received mercy, the two words means this, to extend help, for the consequences of sin. So think about this. So no matter what you've done on the way into this building, if you have put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, you have received and you have been extended mercy because of the consequences of sin. And now, so if you didn't think you were a people of God, you are doubly a people of God. Why? It's because if you receive the mercy of God through who? Jesus Christ. So if there was any question in your mind, if there was any hesitation or reservation in your mind, because you have received the mercy of God, how? When Jesus Christ was rejected by man and he's rejected by God, at that moment you receive the mercy of God. And because you receive the mercy of God, that makes you who you ought to be instantaneously. instantaneously you become the people of God. But now you are the people of God. Christ rejected by man, rejected by God, rebuilt as a superstructure through the power of his Holy Spirit so we can proclaim the excellencies of God that leads to ultimately a people that had the privilege to be the people of God. We're the body of Christ, the family of God, the bride of Christ. We are the people of God because Jesus Christ was, what, rejected. Let me end with this. For us to be the people of God and for us to proclaim the excellencies of God, we have to get over one thing and and really grab a hold to it today. One, one of the, Greatest hindrances to becoming the people of God and proclaiming the excellencies of God is rejection. I'm not going to say that because uh, I may be rejected. I can't tell you countless business transactions I made when I was in the world that the challenge was always if I don't give them what they're asking, they're going to reject me. Right? We, we do it as parents, right? Well, you know, our, our child throw temper tantrums and, oh, Mommy, I want this. Daddy, I want this. And you know they're acting a fool. But because maybe you feel in your mind that you weren't a good mom or dad, you give them what they want. From fear of what? Rejection. So you let bad behavior continue because of fear of what? Rejection. Right, think about this. Sexual immorality. I'm a single man. Man, she's really attractive. But I know what God is saying to me, that Cedric, if you want to be the people of God, and if you want to proclaim the excellencies of God, you can't do that. But in my mind as a man, I'm thinking, but if I don't, I'm going to be rejected by who? Her. Her. Same thing with ladies, right? Same thing. I'll be you know, Here's my opportunity. Here's my oh, someone likes me, right, Got ladies. Someone likes me. Oh, he likes me. Wow, he's fine. Woo! you know. And it's like, and, and it, here's my chance. It could be the man. It could be him. It could be the one. And out of fear of rejection, I concede. And then what I do? I put the excellencies of God and the people of God on the shelf. And we do it over and over and over and over again. We find ourselves making this choice. Should I I concede to God or should I concede to man? Rejection. I remember, again, being in the business community, part of, the job description was to wine and dine customers because it afforded us millions of dollars. So wine and dining always included drinks. So here I am a pastor. So there are some standards I had to have. Others may, but I may not. I don't know where you stand on this, this principle, but I I choose not to drink nothing. You know why? Because I had a choice to either, am I going to be the people of God in the midst of a people that don't know God? Am I going to have the courage to proclaim the excellencies of God among a people who don't know how good God is? So would I just say, hey, let me have a casual drink. Nobody's around. No church folks are around. Or should I say, God, I'm not performing for anyone but you. So we used to have situations over and over again. Everywhere I was at, drinking, 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 drinking. And the Lord says, others may, but you may not. And we had this largest customer in one state Lisa and I would take them out every year to go to like our Christmas outing and we would rent a limousine. We'd go pick them up at their house and we'd get in the car. Inevitably, they'd bring their homemade wine for about five years. Lisa and I said, no, thank you. In our last trip before I retired, he comes into the vehicle with his bottle of wine, wine and in the other hand, a bottle of apple cider. Fast forward time. I get a call and says, hey, did you hear about John? Just use the name John. He says, uh, we'd like to get together with you for, for lunch. Now, I've been retired for 11 years. Get a call. we like to have lunch with you. He said, I don't know if you know, but uh, he has stomach cancer. And they didn't give him only about six months to live, but this is now year two. So I don't know if you know, you even knew about this. I never knew about it. He says, we were talking and your name came up. We were talking about God and your name came up and he wants to meet with you. 11, 12, 13, 14, 15 years ago? No thank you. The message of the excellencies of God carried over 15 years later. Choosing to be the people of God carries over 15 years years later. I say that church because in the moment it won't make sense of why he's telling you don't do that. There's family members you're praying for and you believe in God to change their lives but you have to make a decision in this moment will I proclaim the excellencies of God. God what, what aren't I proclaiming? What Am I not doing that could possibly hinder the voice of God through me? So, if it means, hey, a casual drink, get rid of it for good, so that someone can come to know Jesus. Or whatever it is that God is saying, give up. Or whatever God is saying to you right now, no more, no more so that People can clearly hear the excellencies of God, no matter what it is in your life today that can clearly say to people that I am a people of God. Whatever it is, you must come to a conclusion in your life. If Jesus Christ was rejected by man and rejected by God, I must have the courage and confidence that no matter who rejects me today, I will never be rejected because he was. So even if it means temporary rejection by man, I know that I will never, ever be rejected by God. And just give God time. People even come to their senses. I've seen that as a pattern over and over again. So I can't tell you how many customers have called me to say, hey, can you come? My marriage is collapsing after I've left the game. After I left the game church, they'll call me out of the blue. Hey, I couldn't think of anybody but you. I have my salesmen and regional managers calling me today saying, you don't understand what the conversations and what you did back then, how's affecting me now. And all I was doing was saying, God, all I don't want to do is let the world know that I'm a people of God. All I want the world to know is you. But you have to become a man or a woman confident in knowing that because Jesus Christ was rejected by man and God, I would never, ever, ever be rejected. And then it will give you the confidence to stand in front of any created being You say, whatever you say about me, whatever you do or don't do, if I lose your business, that's okay. Listen, if I lose your friendship, it's okay. If I temporarily lose you as my flesh and blood, brother, sister, uncle, aunt, father, mother, son, daughter, it's okay. Because all I want you to hear is about the goodness of Jesus. And what I'm sa- please understand what I'm saying to you today is I'm not saying get out there and be a verbal fool. Right, right. What I'm saying is make a choice to live a life that speaks. And you see your world turn upside down. Let me give you another example. Abraham Lincoln, it said, about 1858, lost the uh, Illinois legislator for the Senate seat to this guy by the name of Stephen Douglas. Uh, Because of this this defeat, uh, Abraham Lincoln's friend uh, came and asked him this question. He says, uh, so how did this loss make you feel? This is what Abraham Lincoln said. Like the boy who stubbed his toe. I'm too big to cry and too badly hurt to laugh. Too big to cry, too badly hurt to laugh. That's what rejection does to us. Kind of causes us to get confused and start wavering. Right? Become double-minded. Well, do, do I please God? Do I please man? Do I please... You know, we just we start wavering. We get double-minded. But I want to end with a passage of Scripture that answers the question, should I run and hide or should I rebound and recover? Should I, what should I do at the end of the day? Romans chapter 8. I'm sure you've heard these, but we're going to read them today just to remind us all. Romans 8, 31. Beginning of verse 31. And actually, uh, we can read verse 31 and stop and say, this is really good enough. It says, what then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who's against us? If you choose God's side, what, what, what can man really do to you? Right. But in verse 32, it says he who did not spare his own son, but delivered him over for who us all. How will he not also with him freely give us what? All things, which includes confidence. Verse 33 it says who will bring a charge against God's elect? Who is you? God is the one who justifies Who is the one who condemns? Christ Jesus is he who died, yes, rather who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who also does what? Intercedes for you and me. If you had any questions, was he still in your corner? Then verse 35, he says, Who was separated from the love of Christ? Well, tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword. Anything on this earth, right? Just Just as it is written, for your sake we are being put To death all day long. We were considered as sheep to be slaughtered, but in all these things we overwhelmingly conquered through whom? Him, Jesus, who loved us. Verse 38. For I am convinced, listen to this, that neither death nor life Nor angels, nor principalities, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing will be able to do what? Separate us from the love of God, which is found where? In Christ Jesus, our Lord. If you had any doubt, any question, anything that causes you to be have any trepidation or confusion in your heart or mind, please understand when you are rejected by man, you will never be rejected by God. Period. Period. If God be for you, there's nothing man could ever do to you. Your challenge is: will I be willing to say, God, No matter what man would do relationally to me, no matter if they reject me, God, I will still proclaim the excellencies of God. And I will still be a man or woman who is willing to be the people of God. And that's his wonderful promise. Amen.
0: Thanks for listening to Commitment to Truth, the outreach ministry of Commitment Community Church. If you want to know about Jesus Christ, please visit commitmentchurch.org forward slash start. This website will walk you through having a personal relationship with God through Jesus Christ. Please let us know if you made a decision to follow Christ as your personal Lord and Savior. Or if you would like to support God's word through this ministry, please visit our website at commitmentchurch.org. Lastly, if you or your family are in the South Jersey area or Philly metro area, please visit us at Commitment Community Church. Again, I'm Daniel Guzman, and thanks for listening.